shoot, fail, learn is something I tell a lot of people and I get a lot of people hitting me up in the DMs like, what can I do? What should I do? This and that. And, and I go look on their Instagram and there's nothing there. Not that you have to post stuff on your Instagram, but I'm assuming that if you want to do more of this, then do more of that. Like, create if that's what you want to do just do it don't sit behind your computer and strategize and think and plan and if, if I get this don't let gear stop you mm. when I have this camera or when I have this lens that's when I be no go away yeah. <laughs> just go out and shoot and fail and learn Hello and welcome to the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and we're here in the Polar Pro Studio. Today's guest is Hyperlapse professional, Matt Joes. Matt has been doing Hyperlapse cinematography for almost 10 years now, and he has a lot to share about the process of creating a Hyperlapse. If you're not familiar with what a Hyperlapse is, it's kind of the next generation of time-lapse. There's some incredible things that you can do with time-lapse photography, and everything got crazier when Hyperlapse became all all the rage and Matt was really at the forefront of the hyperlapse movement. While you listen to this podcast or after this podcast is over, I would highly recommend checking out Matt's website. It's just his name, mattjose.com. And you can learn about how he does his hyperlapse cinematography as well as what gear he uses and just see his travel journeys on his blog. After one of Matt's early demo reels went viral, he started getting some serious client work doing hyperlapse cinematography. In our podcast, we talk all about that journey and that process of how he grew his career into what it is today. With a thriving website and blog community, as well as almost 100,000 followers on Instagram, Matt has a lot to bring to the table when it comes to learning how to become a successful creator and run a business around the things that you love. So without any further ado, let's listen in on my interview with Matt. All right, so I'm here with Matt Joes. Are we running? Yeah, we're running. Yeah, man, that's quick. Um, all the way from London. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, London is that's my less city. exciting than than Sydney. Sydney. I only just moved to London. When people ask me where you're from, technically, I'm, I was born in Belgium. I've been yeah. living in Australia for the last almost seven years, uh-huh. and I just recently now moved to London. Uh-huh. And obviously now we're here in LA. Yeah. So, yeah. so your accent has like a blend of all these different. I have confused a lot of people in cultures. the last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my English used to be like US because I grew up, you know, watching TV shows like The Simpsons and all that. And then yeah. um, obviously spending six, seven years in Australia, Australia uh, yeah. makes you sound a bit <laughs> a bit weird. Yeah. yeah. And now in the UK, I don't know, man, who knows where it's going to be in two years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, see, you're pronouncing your R's, so you're not saying weird, like you're saying weird. 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 Yeah. Like an American. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really know. curious, man. Yeah. So, um, seven years ago, you did your first hyperlapse in your hometown of Antwerp. Is that how you say it? Antwerpen. Antwerpen. See how I roll that R there? Yeah. Antwerpen. So, <laughs> that was kind of the beginning of the end for you. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that threw me on a track that I don't think anyone could have predicted what, what would come from that. Tell me about your first hyperlapse and that whole journey that So, I began saw... I was... Seven uh, years ago. Yeah, so I was into... T- I can't believe it's seven years ago. Yeah. That's nuts. It, um, I was into time-lapse, you know, quite passionately involved with the time-lapse uh, world. Uh, it was really new at the time. I think time-lapse has hit a peak in search terms and we're on the downtrend now, but that was like, <laughs> it was, it was, 
just pumping like online like tom Lowe doing timescape yeah yeah and, exactly uh, yeah um so the, inspired by him and a couple other dudes so i was already quite involved in the whole time lapse thing the video um, staff picks and all yeah that. oh man yeah people's like going i gotta get that staff pick and i still don't have one but i don't think i want one <laughs> yeah anyways that's another story <laughs> uh go away <laughs> <laughs> i'm jealous we'll it's, talk about that later it's only because um, i was involved in filmmaking like seven years ago so okay yeah. uh into time lapse saw this clip on vimeo by this russian guy called zweitzwei mm -hmm. and the the shot that i saw as part of this film it didn't make sense i was like mm, that doesn't that's not how this works <laughs> what has he done <laughs> is it a rail was it a was it a, a dolly um is this like a cable cam shot I was seeing something that I'd never seen before. Basically, the camera was kind of floating around. Yeah, and it was a similar uh, feeling I got when I saw my first time-lapse video of like Astro and, and skies and, and mm. like, it's you know, like clouds my, moving. My eyeballs can't see that. How is that possible? Uh, like my jaw hit the floor and I was like, what am I looking at? So it's cool to have that experience again within that realm that I of time-lapse that I had already, you know, not mastered, but I was getting pretty good at it. So I see this hyperlapse clip and I'm like, what the heck is this? So... He was Russian, all of the description was in Russian, the comments were in Russian. Um, we didn't have Google Translate at the time, so I was like copy pasting all these Cyrillic characters into Babelfish, I think was the online translator at the time. Uh -huh. Trying to figure it out, nothing made sense, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, and then on this Timescapes forum, uh, we're talking about it, You know, just fellow hobbyists from all, all around the world. Mm. And the cool thing is, I'm still friends and I met up with a couple of them recently from that like from that thread and oh, wow. everyone remembers talking about that because that was a pretty you know that was something new in a, in a I guess a, a style of, of cinematography that was static like nothing much was changing yeah you had motion control rigs and yeah. moving cameras and whatever but it was all kind of this was something new that no one had ever seen before so we're talking about it trying to figure it out everyone's got kind of trial and erroring it and I remember I was living with my parents at the time uh, shooting on my, I don't know what camera I had then. I think a, a T3i or a, six, a 600D, we call it in um, mm. in in Europe or in Belgium, and just trying it out. Like, downloaded that clip from Zweitzwei and and look at it frame by frame. Like, all right, what is happening? There's a there's a large movement. In, there's a large progression of time between frames because the clouds are moving, and there's also a motion. There's a move in each shot. It's not static. It's not a rail because the length and the positioning of the of where the frame's going, where the camera's going there's no way you can put a rail there. So he has to do it in a different way. So then I was like, maybe it's a tripod and he's doing long exposures on a tripod, moving the tripod, blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> I mean, it yeah. sounds silly explaining it now because everybody knows pretty much how it's been done. But then it was like, it's exciting. You know, we're on yeah. this we're on this journey together with dudes from all over the world, like San Francisco and guy in, um, in Italy and, and London and stuff, trying to figure this stuff out and done, done a couple trials and i think at the time the warp stabilizer in after effects mm -hmm. just got launched mm -hmm. or the precursor to it and someone's like you should try stabilizing your clips with this thing and like everyone's piecing stuff together it was it was the most beautiful you know sharing of information with with your fellow peers and eventually you know one by one we all kind of figured it out and um and then, funnily enough we all figured it out and everyone's like all right now let's let's keep this to ourselves yeah <laughs> in hindsight dumb uh-huh you know should have just should have just shared it with the world but i get it at the time i was like quite protective of it because i put in so much work to figure it out uh -huh. and and all that stuff and then you know some random that like wasn't ever involved in all that figures it out makes a tutorial gets you know hundreds of thousands of views and then i and the rest probably was like hmm, hmm. 
damn <laughs> could have been us <laughs> yeah could have taught the world how to do this um but yeah that um that hyperlapse thing started working i made a little show reel or you know mini mini clips and i showed them to people i was mm. an intern i think at the time at a um at a like a film production company they make crazy after movies of festivals and stuff show them that they're like oh we can we can use that you know do you want to come film with us at tomorrowland and this is in 2011 or 12 i think mm. edm festivals were you know booming and i'm not sure if they, they still are like ultra miami is still a pretty big deal but um was part of that film crew with epic cinema um you know they gave me my first couple of cool cool gigs and then i traveled a bit went to australia visited a friend made a showreel at the end of 2013 it's like djoes.com my username at the time i didn't change it to matt joes um time-lapse showreel mm-hmm. posted it on reddit blew up like nuts front page of our all uh i think in 2013 then this this compilation of i mean if i look at it now it's a cringe it's like it's not good there's yeah. a lot of stuff that i would do differently or not do at all um this compilation video hit about 300,000 views in a day in wow. 2013 on reddit on youtube on youtube but i posted the youtube link on reddit wow. on the videos thing i was like hey i you know i took i don't know 200,000 photos this year and made this video and it was like what is this but you hit play and it's like oh that's pretty cool that's pretty yeah. sexy haven't seen much of that before so that kind of jump started um you know social media channels and and to this day i still meet people and they they seem like wow <laughs> you made that video you yeah. that's that's you that's crazy I had some festival footage in there, um, all this other stuff. And and that then led to more opportunities. Um, I don't attribute my career to just that thing, but a, a large part of it started sure. to that, um, yeah. to the, the Hyperlapse thing. And now, you know, fast forward seven years and I've done Hyperlapse and time-lapse projects for Canon, Google, Microsoft, Samsung, um, Panasonic, Vogue, uh, works on Nat Geo Discovery Channel I've got Netflix like not my own show but part of yeah. you know productions and shows and I'm 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 almost getting goosebumps thinking about it it's just nuts because I at the time when I started time lapse um you know I, I, would, I would tell people like there's there's no viable career in this <laughs> who who's ever gonna pay yeah. a dude or, or someone to yeah. sit around for hours for hours waiting and then spends two days editing and then what do you get 10 seconds of video who's gonna pay for that (laughs) no one so it's like it's always gonna be a hobby um but then i managed to you know thanks to a bunch of people and and a lot of hard work obviously i'm not discrediting what the amount of time that went into it yeah um managed to make it into a really successful career that's amazing man yeah so i'm very 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 grateful for that wow so for anybody who is listening to this and they're like hyperlapse what the heck is a hyperlapse can you explain to the basic person who yeah. does not understand what a hyperlapse is. So a hyperlapse is the same as a time lapse and the basic concept is you take photos and you turn them into a video file. You take the photo at, the, at a set interval of like one, two or three seconds. So mm-hmm. every three seconds, your camera shoots a photo and then three seconds later it shoots a photo of the same frame. And then afterwards you use the you use that sequence of photos to turn it into an incredibly high resolution video file. Yeah. Obviously you're shooting raw photos so your dynamic range is great. You've got the full res. You know we've we've got 100 megapixel cameras now. Mm-hmm. Um, you can create some insanely high detail videos. So that's time lapse. The concept of a hyperlapse is the same, except the camera instead of being on a tripod or on a motion control slider, you move it physically on a huge track. Well, it's an imaginary track. You choose the track before you start shooting. So you could go straight towards a building. You could go you know across the river and shoot a, a skyline and and 
and make it look as if you shot it on a huge slider, a slider that's 300 meters, 400 meters long. Mm -hmm. So this impression that you get- Which is a lot of feet. (laughs) Okay, so it's pretty much yards, right? (laughs) You all know yards? (laughs) (laughs) Don't give me that feet stuff. How many feet in a mile? What's that number? I don't even know. Exactly. It's terrible. There you go. The metric How many meters in a kilometer? How many, you know, it's, it makes sense. Come on, guys. It's, Anyways. Uh, it's, it's like tens and hundreds. It's so yeah, easy. It's so easy. It's like a stack pyramid. It makes sense. I've heard the uh, US trade is actually all metric. Um, so like when they communicate with China and everything, yeah. like we do they know measure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The whole world is metric. Exactly. And actually, I saw a YouTube video about this. Apparently, like the U.S. government officially changed everything to metric like years ago. Oh, really? But it's so like, I know it's so ingrained in our like school system. I don't think it'll ever. I mean, it's not it's not a chance. That's that's crazy. We're too old to like, I guess if you taught like all the new babies coming up metric, like eventually we would all die out, you know. But anyways, it doesn't matter. I digress. (laughs) Back to the meters uh, and this city line. So you create uh by physically moving the camera yeah you're creating like a fake slider like you you're saying. yeah it's, but, it's this director once called it a, a, um a flight through time and space mm-hmm. and when he told me that i was like i'm gonna use that this is five years ago i'm still using that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the the kind of big revolution that happened i guess seven eight years ago was the introduction of um the incredible digital stabilization that we now have in yeah. post-production yeah because Previous to that, if you were to hold a camera uh, or put it on a tripod and take a photo and then move it and take another photo, if you put all those images together and stitch it together, it looks like a jaggedy, like bumpy mess. Rickety as hell. Yeah. And it still does look like that. Seizure inducing footage. But what was incredible, and I did a bunch of hyperlapse myself uh, when it was all the rage, trying it out. It's still a rage. Yeah, it's still a rage. Tell me it's still a rage. Oh, yeah. Of course it is. I just like, I remember I was doing time lapses like crazy, and then I did, uh, I bought the Kessler Cine Slider system. Mm, Nice, yeah. uh, And we used that, and then we started doing hyperlapse, and then it was all about the drones, and now like, then it was like the movie with the gimbals. Now I don't know what it is. I think now it's just like IBIS and like handheld, yeah. like using IBIS. I was, yeah, I was shooting on the A7 III and the IBIS these days is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but like the big kind of thing that changed the world was the kind of digital stabilization and also the resolution that continued to get higher and higher. Because when you start using an A7R three and you've got like these 50 megapixel mm. images, you can zoom in on that image and do some incredible weird digital like mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. So this kind of hyperlapse like technology, if you want to call it, or like when you watch a hyperlapse video, there's a lot of technology that didn't exist 10 years ago that is causing that to even be possible yeah when i when we were all experimenting with the hyperlapse stuff um before it actually had a name like the name hyperlapse it's a funny anecdote about that group on that forum there was like this this moment where everyone's like so what should we call this thing <laughs> yeah because you know we're all doing it now it's not time it didn't lapse. have a name yeah. it's not a time lapse it's different and and it's it took a way more work which i'll get into later uh, you know the post-production side of things. Yeah. Um, some people wanted to call it walk lapse, um, other things, That's and hyperlapse. Nice. And I'd seen hyperlapse, and and I remember, and I've tried to look for this comment, and my friend Mathieu as well tried to look for this comment in this thread, but we can't find it. I remember typing like, I think I think I like hyperlapse. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna keep using that. 
like it was i don't think it was my um wording I would someone would have said it and then and then matia as well was like yeah hyperlapse and then you know fast forward a couple of years later and instagram brings out an app called hyperlapse, hyperlapse. by instagram <laughs> And then, you know, people are emailing me. It's like, ooh, Matt, you're out of a job now. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> who's going who's gonna to hire? Like, ooh, Hyperlapse, cool. Hyperlapse Instagram. I want to do something with Hyperlapse. Let's hire someone on their phone to come shoot a production. No, it gave more exposure to that style of shooting. And yeah. then people will find the professionals. Mm-hmm. And then, bang, got a ton of work from that. So, yeah, of course. what changed seven years ago or whenever the warp stabilizer came out, which is, a, if you don't know what it is, it's a... It's an effect in After Effects. I think it's built into Premiere as well now. Mm-hmm. The first version, first iterations were um, d- just digital stabilization, not made for hyperlapse, not made for time lapse. It was made Free for footage. video and, and other footage. But it turns out if you load a sequence of photos as a video file into After Effects, mm-hmm. it just looks at it as video. So yeah. it's going to apply its algorithms, its digital stabilization algorithm yeah. to these separate photos and try and make a smooth as hell video. And at first, I mean, we are so, people that get into it now are so lucky. It's like <laughs> smacking on there, 10% smooth, boom. You can shoot some terrible, terrible footage and get some amazing results. Uh-huh. Back then, it wasn't the case. Uh-huh. When I was quoting for work, it'd be like, one day of shooting, cool. Are you willing to pay for three days of post-processing? Because that's how long it's going to take to get this thing right. Because uh-huh. the, the the first versions of the warp stabilizer were just... yeah. You'd, you'd have to choose your subjects. You'd have to shoot it as accurately as possible um, and then do like, you know, one run of stabilization. It was way slower to process then as well. And then you nest or, you know, make a new sequence from that sequence and then you stabilize it again and again. It's honestly, man, I've stabilized sequences like 15 times. <laughs> and then, you know, you lose a little bit of resolution every every time you do it. That's why you shoot on as high res as possible. Shoot a little bit wider because you know you're going to lose a bit of that. It's going to crop in a bit. Um, but yeah, it's changed. Like now, one day of shooting, depending on what the subject is, depending on how much we shoot, I could get away with one day of posts. Nothing it's still a lot of work. And like, obviously, my post-production workflow has incre- has improved massively from the start. Yeah. Um, but yeah, looking at what I'm doing now and what I'm doing then, it's still the same stuff, but it's gotten way more efficient, which is something I always teach people and, and educate people on like efficiency is key in any in anything. Is that due to like you, you have really beefy processor GPU now, or is it just the software's gotten better? You the, have gotten better yourself? Getting I've, I've gotten better. I know better what works now. The software's gotten better. Um, I'm currently, my only editing rig is a 2015 MacBook Pro full spec. Oh. Um, I have a nice iMac, a really beefy one back in Sydney, but I couldn't bring that to uh, London with me. So I've, um, yeah, I've gone down to just laptop. Just laptop. Which Not even a new one. It's kind of yeah, I know. An old one. And all my, I don't want to change that laptop because I don't want to get one the of the SD new ones card. with the with the, the. I mean, yeah, the SD card's gone and the yeah, the keyboard. Like, how's your keyboard? You love it? You get many uh, issues uh, with it? I don't mind it. I I haven't had any issues. I know that a lot of people have issues. Yeah, with it. I just, I don't want to drop five grand on a computer. And I don't then, use the keyboard though. I put this when I go home. I mm, dock it and I have a keyboard see, and mouse that's, and yeah. a monitor. You know. So when mine eventually craps out, I'll. Just dock it. <laughs> yeah, just dock it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Tom Lowe, do you know who he is? Yeah. I've, I don't think I've had the pleasure of meeting him, but I've. That's how I was kind of not, yeah. not introduced to time mm. lapses. There was already a lot of other people, but like seven, eight years ago, Philip Bloom, Tom Lowe, uh, those types of people were Gang. all over the internet and yeah. they were amazing. And Tom Lowe did a, um, a film called Timescapes, mm-hmm. I think. And it was delivered in 4K. You could buy it. And he was shooting on some of the early like Red Epics. He was doing time lapse with Reds and also just 5D and stuff. But like putting it on boats, having like 
like really long sliders that like in, this is before I guess hyperlapse. He was actually using a giant yeah, dolly. All the Kessler, Kessler um, stuff has like hyperlapse kind of caused the the traditional way of doing epic time lapses to be changed like does planet earth still use a giant dolly system when they're going out and doing things like has it completely revolutionized the industry in terms of time lapse it's added on top of it there's um planet earth like those guys and girls they go through you know as as probably everyone that's watching this knows stupid lengths to 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 get a shot um the sliders and 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 the classical motion control heads they're always going to be around um yeah. but now there's this whole new realm that's been added in in with this bucket of you know time-lapse cinematography it's like so time-lapse is a niche within photography hyperlapse is a niche within time-lapse so it's literally yeah. you know you're going way way niche um rob whitworth uh based in the uk uh i think he was the first to to get another thing going within that niche which was called flow motion and in 20 I want to say 14, 15, he made Flow Motion Dubai, which once again blew everyone's minds. And that's rare to happen in an industry that's, you know, pretty. Mm. Now that technology is evolving so quickly, you know, with the accessibility of, of, of stabilizers. You yeah. know, I remember the first uh, movie coming out costing, what, 20, 30K. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> these guys that. were running around at these festivals with these $20,000 rigs. Yeah. And an early Epic or a Red on it. Yeah. And now I'm running around Venice Beach with an Osmo Pocket shooting yeah. a, a hyperlapse in 4K that looks pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> For, and what, 200, 300 bucks? I don't know yeah, what it costs. Yeah, it fits in your pocket. Yeah, nuts. Um, yeah, I, I still have my uh, Movie M5. It was no like way. a cheaper movie, yeah. you yeah. know? But still, it was like six grand. Yeah, you know? crazy, right? Um, so has it changed the industry yeah for sure um what it also is on it's it's enabled us to create new things and and yeah. from you know a narrative point of view or a story even if you're just doing an aesthetic film just the cinematic cut like the hyperlapse footage is it, it blows people's minds oh, we're yeah. i mean everyone in this room is probably so far into this bubble of cinematography and like yeah. staying on the latest trends get out of that bubble and mm-hmm. show someone a hyperlapse yeah they're like it's a magic trick what <laughs> it really is like magic yeah they're like wow really like they just don't know what's going on yeah and so that's always refreshing to to talk to people that aren't in the industry and to show them what i do or show what you know others are doing like that's rob so rob's works mind-blowing um and such a humble guy as well what are what are some uh uses of hyperlapse in uh in film that you've seen that has stood out like classic film like cinema well cinema tv shows obviously one that comes to mind and i would imagine you as a hyperlapse guy probably cringe at is the intro to house of cards right (laughs) like it is kind of cringeworthy if you're a hyperlapse fan in in, in what way like it's pretty basic i don't know (laughs) i mean they're they're really well executed and, and and flawless clean shots what you would expect from a show you know of that caliber yeah um drew geracy i think you pronounce it um he shot those and he i think he got a ton more work from that mm-hmm. i i always enjoy watching them i was talking to someone yesterday i think about it and he he, he doesn't make time lapses himself but he's like i always just watch those starting titles because they're cool <laughs> the yeah. time lapse stuff. um i don't think there's any hyperlapse in them unless like i haven't seen the the later seasons no, it's, me neither. It's, it's more i mean for me it's like cool man here's another cool example of of a of a main main mainstream um you know publication using mm-hmm. time-lapse photography which was this you know little niche that i never thought would be yeah 
you know something you could turn into a career but there's there's a lot of dudes that are and and there's there's less women around the world sadly but i know a few there's a lot of dudes doing it professionally working on these massive productions and i think that's really really cool Mm -hmm. another one that i was talking at uh vid summit this conference we met at um vince gilligan using time lapse as um establishing shots and transition shots in breaking bad one of the best mm-hmm. tv shows ever made mm-hmm. i watched those and i'm just like oh man i want to be on that team yeah. i want to be with those guys out there shooting for yeah. vince i think it does have <laughs> it does have a very specific uh use case like it wouldn't be you wouldn't see a hyperlapse like being used in a romantic comedy transitioning from day to night necessarily yeah but like for um uh what's the film is it uh ant-man remember Mm ant-man his friend like tells a story and like throughout the story they reenact the whole thing and but he's talking the whole time and he talks like really fast do you remember Mm -hmm. that type of stuff Uh, having trouble remembering okay (laughs) i'm probably doing a terrible job explaining it but like using it in a kind of if you follow your character mm-hmm. through hyperlapse, yeah. things are going on around them as they're like standing there thinking through things like could yeah. be like used as a way to convey uh, chaos or like uh, yeah. passing of time. It's, or- it's definitely like in the filmmaking world, it's definitely a, a niche boutique shot that you don't yeah. just, you know, as you say, not in a comedy or you you know, don't expect um, to see that in a, in a romantic whatever. But yeah. something where, where you need something trippy, where you need something new, like in... Um, Oh, what's that film with and I, of course i can't remember his name he takes pills and he turns into this like super smart guy and there's uh-huh. these shots where he sees and it's kind of like a hyper zoom like an endless zoom style shot ryan no i don't know anyway it doesn't matter ryan reynolds limitless is the film limitless. thanks sam <laughs> is it no it's not ryan reynolds bradley cooper there he is ryan bradley samson yeah. um you know it's it's it, it helps with the storytelling help. because it induces this emotion when you watch it like you get like sucked in or like totally you know pulled through some stuff and it's it's one of those kinds of shots i haven't seen it used too much in um in film or tv it's it's happened and like my footage in it is in a couple of things that's awesome but um it could be used in a lot of creative ways we yeah. haven't even figured out yet it's you know the same way that 360 um cinematography is now mm-hmm. it, you know again like it used to be a huge rig uh slap a couple of cameras together on a custom yeah welded or mold you know printed thing and now i've got a i've got an insta 360 in my pocket and i'm yeah. driving around like oh this this could be a cool tiny planet shot slap it on a selfie stick hold it out the window yeah and live preview on my phone, I can kind of adjust the angle to have it right in the middle of the roof above yeah. and bang. And I know that clip's gonna be amazing, 4K. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you like, you don't see that used often, but you see it in video clips and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think maybe Kendrick did a, some, uh, music videos is where a lot of these things start because people are mm-hmm. experimenting and you know trying out new new techniques, new, yeah. new things. Can you imagine a music video hyperlapse, the whole thing? like? If the it's been done, Mark Donahue in San Fran. So he actually mouthed the song yeah. through hyperlapse. Yeah, that would have taken what? Uh, weeks? What do they call it? Um, he had another little name for it. It was cool. But yeah, so what they did is, if I remember correctly, and this is a while back, Mark's like a Permagreen friends, Permagreen Films is company. They print out these frames. They shoot video of the person mouthing the lyrics and doing it. Print it out frame by frame, and then do a hyperlapse and adjust the your position of your lips per frame where you move a step and then the camera moves a step and then your mouth so, so was, when you play it back at 25 or 30 frames a second everything's sped up and it looks yeah. wild and like the, there's hats spinning around but the mouthing of the lyrics 
is in real time. So he printed it out and he just tried to replicate the look yeah. of it, is what you're saying? As oh, reference wow. frames. Obviously, you do it on an iPad or whatever now, but yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, check out his stuff. It's really cool. What's the name of that one? Um, can't remember. Mark Donahue. Okay. I'm thinking 2014 is when he did it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. People can yeah. search for that. I'm pretty That's sure amazing. it's Donahue. Yeah. So um, I saw on your Instagram account, you, you posted a, a photo and you, you had a little description about um, music licensing and going viral um, and how like you, we, one of your first videos that went viral, you lost out on thousands of dollars because you didn't have the rights to that song. I can relate Ouch. to that. <laughs> the same thing happened to me. I was, uh, this was probably eight years ago. I made a video with a friend of mine who's a magician and he proposed to his uh now wife using a magic trick and it was like a really cool video and it went viral got like a million views in a yeah. day and uh he, they were on good morning america and i used a song from music bed i even paid money for it but because i don't have like the specific type of rights uh i didn't get any money so like i lost out on about you know at the time I think five to ten thousand dollars worth of yeah ad revenue. That's what I thought it was as well. Like a million would give you like quite a bit. Also, yeah. when your video is shooting up, the system in behind the scenes exactly they want to get on that video mm -hmm. that's boosting, so they're yeah. bidding way higher. Yeah, so it, you it, it's all dependent on the the virality, the, views the speed, and the speed. Yeah, so like uh, Casey Neistat is making you know tens of thousands of dollars a month doing nothing because he's getting millions of views a month off of his old videos. Mm. You know, so with that trip hop, but vibe, but if you get six million views in a day, you know, that's significantly more mm. click through rate money that you make rather than six million in a year, you know. Yeah, but anyways, yeah. tell me about that journey. music licensing. Tell me about that story and like how yeah. you discovered, like, wait a minute, I'm not gonna make any money off it's, of this. It's you know, that was the early days when I when I thought that you could just get a track in, um. Just throw it. I mean, like I, I buy this on. I buy it. I bought it on iTunes. It's mine. I own. Paid nine nine cents. Of course, I could do what I want. I bought. I bought a license, didn't I? No, you dumb idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't. You bought a license, but not the right one. Yeah. You bought a license for your living room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I made that that compilation, and I used the track um, by Kill Paris, who had remixed an old song uh, called "Baby Come Back," and. I still love editing to electronic music. It's very like, you know, you can cut to the beat. And as much as in filmmaking, don't always cut to the beat because it's repetitive. Mm. I'm making this for an audience and I, audiences eat it up still. Like if I oh, yeah. make like the most basic edit, but I make sure it's on those waveforms and it hits those drops, oh, they're yeah. like, you're such a great editor. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so yeah, use that track, uh, put it on YouTube. Obviously didn't plan on making a bunch of money with it. Like I'm just, it's something I'm proud of. It blew up. It wasn't monetizable, obviously. In hindsight, I was like, ooh, that, I missed out on, you know, probably between three to 10K US dollars, which is a ton of money for someone that's just starting it out as a hobby and, and all that. So I made a video about that recently, and I'm here with a brand that is very much related to that. So if you, you make a video, you want to use a track by an artist mm -hmm. that um, you're willing to pay for. Kanye West. Kanye West, you know, you name it, anyone. How do you go about getting a license for that? To use it on your YouTube channel? I have no idea how to use a song from Kanye. Yeah. I use Epidemic Sound, which is yeah. like a copyright-free site. Exactly. So royalty-free. Yeah, like, I think the only way you could technically use a song from Kanye is I literally have to 
get permission from him or his record label. Okay, so it's not just him. It's not just the label. It's everyone that's worked on it. And it can be one track and you need to hit up seven people and get clearance for that. And a buddy of mine did that, paid a couple thousand Australian bucks for a track by an artist because was, it was an emotional investment for him. He's like, I want this because it was, it was an important video. I want this track to be on it. Hit it up. All these people took months, spent thousands of dollars on this license, got delayed and delayed. Eventually, you know, managed to get it, releases the video. And then, oh, wait a minute, this video, you can't play it on mobile on across half the countries in the world because that's not the... So it's like, uh, it's literally impossible to... Mm-hmm. And you want to give them money, right? You want to give these artists that you love money. You sure. want to show them off to your audience as well. And that's impossible until now. Yeah. So the company I'm here with, uh, <laughs> I'm really happy you brought this up because they flew me here and then, you know, they, they hosted yeah. me and everything. What they're doing is um, they're fighting this fight to enable us as creators to license commercial music so you don't have any copyright claims. Mm-hmm. So the artist gets money. It's mm-hmm. on a sliding scale. Pricing starts at eight bucks, goes up to, I don't know, a couple hundred, depending on the average amount of views you've had on your last 50 videos. They have software in the back end of YouTube that verifies whether you have the license or not. You don't get copyright claims. So uh-huh. in the when you've uploaded your video, YouTube starts processing it. That's when the content ID system kicks in. It's like this song on the radio in the back of that video, mm-hmm. that content ID bang not monetizable this is this is different than epidemic sound or so epidemic that... sound and licked licked here on my pop socket yeah um it's, they they it's exist different l-i-c-k-d yeah so they exist perfectly fine next to each other because i still use epidemic for you know background tunes or whatever that's royalty free production music mm-hmm. which even in film and, and tv it happens all the time that you use both yeah Part of your budget for your production goes to licensing commercial music. Now, if you're a major Hollywood studio, it's easy to do that because there's systems in place. But for us creators, not just YouTubers, but Instagrammers, Facebook people, everyone making video, this mass amount of people that is creating content, and that's only going to go up. There's no avenue for them until now. That's awesome. So that's the fight that Lick's doing is like they want to be the Spotify for creators where you've got 50 million tracks that you can just easily license. And they're uh, real songs. They're like real songs, Taylor yeah. Swift so and whatever, right? So that's the challenge now is to get all the, the right labels to sign up. They've got UMG signed up, which is like... The, well, that's a big deal. Exactly. The and, and you know, the they've got... claims on Exactly, yeah. YouTube. So when I, when they told me that, I was like, whoa, you guys, you guys, what? Yeah. So that's great for them. That's it's the, cool. the problem now is the chicken and egg. They need more people on the platform. They need more people using it to mm-hmm. get more labels to sign up. They need more sure. labels to sign up to get more people on it. All right, everybody get on licks. And that's why they were at the conference speaking to creators and all that. So that's a great idea. I'm excited. I'm invested it. emotionally because now I've become friends yeah. with everyone working there. And I also just I'm done with this mission. Like I want to yeah. I want to fight this fight. So I'm really happy you brought this up. That's so awesome. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I talked to I them about <laughs> I talked to them about my parody stuff. And yeah, I said that um, I can only do what I've done, which is like create the parodies, and then uh, YouTube actually splits the revenue. So okay, um, I didn't know you could do that. Automatically does that. So I'm actually making half revenue parodying old town road because it's technically fair use because yeah I've, you're transforming it i've turned it into a new work yeah but in order for me to make money off of it i have to do what weird al does and get permission just like anybody he would ask permission to the artist he actually asked permission to like paul mccartney and he turned him down paul said no i don't i don't want you to make fun of us no way <laughs> anyways um <clears throat> so with hyperlapse there's i found when i did hyperlapse and i've only 
done a handful of things with it. I found there's some there are some techniques that make it more effective, and I'd love to just talk through mm-hmm. some of that if you're okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I'm all about sharing knowledge. If you yeah. go to my YouTube channel, I think more than half is tutorials. So what are some uh, techniques that we could talk about for somebody who wants to get started doing hyperlapse um say you've got a wide shot of you know uh of a concert hall you want to do like this big sweeping move Mm -hmm. um you know how do you frame it how do you line it up and you know what are some things that you've found that are uh really effective over my almost a decade of trial and error (laughs) i have concluded a couple of key rules that you shouldn't break because it's just gonna make your life so much harder Mm -hmm. One of the main things, you said a wide shot, you're like you're indoors. Don't go wider than 24 mil on a full frame unless you really know what you're doing and you're in a super controlled environment. If you go wider than 24, the optical distortions on the sides of your lens, the slightest amount you move to the left induces a huge um, perspective shift. Yeah. And the warp stabilizer can fix some of that, but not all of it. And then you get this weird wobble that you see in non-perfect hyperlapse shots. And they'll still blow people's minds, but if you're a perfectionist and you really want to nail it and have a perfect shot, mm-hmm. generally don't go wider than 24 millimeter equivalent on a full frame, which would be 17 on a crop or something. Yeah, 16 so or 17, yeah. there's that. Then you have your subject, you've got your building, you've got your stage that you want to shoot. Do a little test run. So mm-hmm. decide if you want to, you know, obviously are you going to go straight forward or you're going to go sideways in a line or you're going to go in a curve around it. Do a little test run. Take one photo at the start, move 10 meters, take another photo, move another 10 meters, and then say you've got five photos. Scroll back and forth between them, and that gives you straight away an impression mm. on what the shot's going to look like and if you want to want to commit to it. It's like, oh, there's not a lot of good foreground in this. It looks kind of lame. Yeah, like actually, let me try a sideways movement. Maybe that's a better way. Um, then that's cool. The subject that you're shooting the more complex it is the more stuff that is changing in the scene as you're moving through it mm-hmm. the harder it's going to be to stabilize so mm, really <laughs> the most frustrating thing i've ever but shot that's the most exciting stuff to look well at. so it'll, it'll make sense in a second the the most time i've ever spent trying to stabilize a shot was a, a bridge a pedestrian bridge going into the city of sydney and it had flagpoles on the side and i think this is going to look mad through these flagpoles city like kind of reveals maybe i can like digitally zoom in and zoom out and have this little dolly zoom effect these flags are you know floating around in the wind so every frame even though a lot of that footage has the same content in it every frame these flags would change position Mm. and i don't know i don't want to remember how much i tried (laughs) to fix that footage yeah um did you mask out the then I, I revisited that shot later and like tried to mask out just the start but then the, the camera I shot at then the resolution wasn't good enough and eventually I gave up but yeah if you have something like that where there's a <laughs> lot of stuff moving um, you're gonna have a, a tricky time doing it so keep that in mind then what you just brought up is a really good tip if you have something like that you can actually uh, mask out part of the footage pre-comp it or make mm-hmm. a new sequence stabilize that mask that bit once that's stable, you go back to the previous sequence and remove the mask, and then bang, you might have a really, uh, really yeah. good clip there. So that's a good trip. Uh, trip, trip this is all After trick. Effects stuff. Yeah, so it. After Effects. The reason I use After Effects is because it just gives you the most mm-hmm. amount of control. Like it's it's such powerful. You can make a 3D software. camera track. You can exactly mask yeah. it out. All yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, it's just shoot manual everything. Uh, yeah. You know, white balance auto. Like don't. Flicker um, is ISO. a big problem that people have when you yeah. don't 
know what you're doing with time lapsing. Yeah, that's. I just made a video in a blog post about flickering, what causes it, and how, how you can prevent it. And it's if you can't prevent it, yeah, uh, metros.com and how you can fix it if it happens. There's yeah. a couple of plugins, there's standalone software. Um, nice. But ideally, as you know, we all try, you want to get it right in camera. Yeah. Um, what you could do generally to prevent flickering is if you have a Canon camera, is the lens twist method. If you Google that, you'll find one of my videos about it. Uh, pretty much you're going to lock your aperture to a fixed position so it doesn't open and close for every photo you take. Because you might not know this, and this is, you know, this doesn't apply just to hyperlapse, it's time lapse as well. Every time you take a photo and this mechanical action happens in your inside your lens, the aperture blades close, you think that's accurate, but that's not true. Mm-hmm. Your camera is not made for time lapse. Mm-hmm. It's going to close it to approximately, you know, F4, F5, F whatever. Um, it's not super accurate. And when you're shooting a thousand photos in a row, you will notice that that minute, small, you know, one tenth of an millimeter because of you know metrics superior mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna um induce flickering slight changes in exposure slight changes yeah. in, in brightness in your frames you're not noticing that when you're shooting portraits of someone and you know snapping sure. away but when you have the exact same frame and everything and you play it back there's going to be this flickering in the sky mm-hmm. or another uh bits and that is easily preventable what else you can do to not have that is shoot wide open if you have a 1.4 lens you can't shoot wide open in daytime. So what yeah. I then would recommend is you get a really, really good filter to put in front of that lens. Mm-hmm. And what do you know? <laughs> yeah. Where we are. We're sitting in a place that makes <laughs> yeah. really high-strength um, uh, yeah. high filters. It's also um, less noticeable in long exposure uh, clips because mm-hmm. I think the, the exposure time might average out the um, yeah. the ap- aperture-induced Or you screen. could use a manual lens like a Roman yeah. on yeah. or something. Yeah. Right. A lot of Nikon lenses, you can disable that aperture thing as well manual lenses obviously where you just lock it down and it, it's a you know analog yeah. manual lens um yeah and then there's a bunch of plugins that you can sure. use in post but one thing that i noticed that makes a great hyperlapse shot is having foreground elements but also finding a subject and locking that down like in your frame so mm. if uh, i was doing an, a, a shot of a building from the outside and i wanted to do a side to side move you don't just kind of haphazardly move it you want to like keep that Mm. subject that you want to be the focus in the same position the entire time so i just turn on the the rule of thirds grid on my uh, camera and just keep it like in that same frame the whole time and then everything around it is moving but then that one subject is just staying locked it gives you that really cool um I mean, obviously, yeah, your foreground, your parallax effect, depending on your focal length, mm-hmm. has a cool um, motion to it and, and makes it look good. But if you yeah, circle around a building or go side to side, as you said, the rule of thirds grid or other grids uh, you can use, you can also enable your so a lot of cameras, your focal points. You can go to a single focus point mm-hmm. and leave that on your previous screen okay. and use that as a reference. Canon has these tiny squares that you can move around mm-hmm. and lock that on a building like the center window or like just the top of the roof. Lock mm-hmm. that on there. If you have a level, uh, digital level in your viewfinder, that's also really useful because the 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 more consistent each shot is, the easier it's going to be to stabilize. So yeah, that's the key point of hyperlapse is shoot, shoot one, choose one subject, mm-hmm. one element in your frame, and keep that in the same spot because that's going to give the reference point for the warp stabilizer. Like this is where it's going to be steady, and then everything yeah. else is built around that. And yeah, keep your camera as level as possible because obviously yeah. you can have one element in the exact same spot for every photo. But if your camera's like going, you know, turning around every shot, you'll mm-hmm. lose resolution and 
um, yeah, have to stabilize more. So if if you look at your Instagram account now and you go through some of your recent uh, videos, I noticed like you are experimenting and playing with that thing that you just talked about. Like you're doing hyperlapse, but also you are having a little bit more movement and not necessarily keeping things locked all the mm. time, but you're doing it in creative ways and moving around. One that's coming to mind is like, there was like a dragon loop that you did. Like it was like a face of a dragon. I think it was with your Samsung. Oh, the, uh, the horses. Yeah. The, or sorry. Yeah. <laughs> they were horses, not dragons. They look, yeah. But, uh, just kind of playing around with it and mm. doing like loops and stuff yeah. like that. Tell me about it's, you know, process. if you've been doing the same thing for, you know, seven, eight, nine years, it's, yeah. It gets boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not boring because you shoot all around the world and your subjects always change. But I'm like, how do we, you know, how do you change that? And, you know, we've got such resolution now mm-hmm. and look at the the media that we consume. Boomerangs as a as a concept is mm-hmm. relatively new. Um, and it's a bit of a trick to get more engagement, more views to grow your social channels, which is what a lot of people are trying. So shoot a subject and then make it loop, but not just want, you know, forward, backwards. You know, use rotation, use scaling. You can create these really cool dolly zooms because we have infinite resolutions now. Um, I did one of a building where I shot a single hyperlapse going left to right, but then I boomerang, I looped that, I boomeranged it. There you go, like we're changing language. (laughs) I boomeranged it. And then you zoom in and you add like nice keyframing and Bezier curve. So it's kind of like a, Mm -hmm. and then you, yeah, you zoom in and out as you're going left to right. And it's, yeah, it creates this trippy, trippy effect. People are like, how did it blew their minds again? Like you'd see a normal hyperlapse, and that was impressive. And now in post, you can go even further to make it, to bring that to another level. And I think yeah. that's really fun. You get so many, you have so much freedom, and you can, you can it's as crazy as you can. Yeah. Like the next step is like a lot of the guys in LA and um, Cash or Cash Bunny. She's been doing some really cool stuff in After Effects and post-visual effects, working with teams of people to elevate time-lapse, hyperlapse, or normal video footage to another level by bringing on a team of people that just like, all right, that's the source footage. That's already a lot of work that's gone in it. Now let's bring it, let's bring it further and let's animate what's in it. Ari Farroy did a really cool shot of the London uh, Tower Bridge for a, an ad campaign where he shot a time-lapse, hyperlapse, sorry, left to right, and in that sequence, the tower bridge, the two towers, they kind of like, they expand and they move up and down and the whole bridge starts wiggling. Wow. So I've shot that exact same shot. It's a challenging shot. Well done, um, Ari. But then to bring a team of visual effects people on it, or like one person that spends a couple hours on it, you can really make something really, really cool. But you wow. still obviously need that source footage to be high quality so and they, like flawless. So they're doing uh, warping and puppet tool animation yeah, on top of yeah, the Yeah, animating image. and just, yeah, really cool stuff. I'm looking for someone that that has those skills that lives around or that wants to collaborate. Yeah, so if, if anyone's listening, I'm, I I want to chat. Hit Matt up on yeah. man. <laughs> um, sound design, is that a big aspect to your video work i try to spend enough time on it um i'm not too good at it i've bought you know sound packs and, and i use epidemic sound as well for some of the product mm-hmm. uh, the, the sound effect stuff yeah they got it's um it's it's powerful you know yeah. with like with anything if you shoot something and that's it then mm, you shoot something and you color grade it properly and you work on 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 storytelling and, and and your tempo and then you add a level of of music and sound effects and sound design and foley the more layers you add the better that end result's going to be and you you're doing it i think to train yourself to get better at it because you know we the majority of 
this, it's we're YouTube creators. Like I'm, yeah. I'm shooting all this like super expensive equipment and making stuff, and I'm and I post it on my Instagram. But I still I still like spending that extra bit of time because yeah. once you you go beyond YouTube or you go beyond social media, and you get asked to do something for a you know a TV ad, whatever, those skills are going to pay off, and it's going to yeah. be good to have that you don't experience. Know you, you're making it for your social media audience, but also in the back of your mind, you're also, this is a portfolio piece. Anything I make, it's like, who knows who's gonna, you know, who's yeah. gonna see this and where it's gonna it go. lead to another thing, yeah. so. Um, <clears throat> so how important is the camera? I don't really think it matters that much because uh, you have the luxury of shooting on stills cameras that like are able to take these incredible raw full frame images. So in order to get anything close to what you can get with a stills camera, you'd have to shoot on like a red or I guess that's kind of it, you know, because I mean, you're shooting full frame raw images. Yeah. So like, but, but what's amazing is like just 10 years ago or seven years ago, you know, a T3i, like you said, was, was capable of yeah. doing incredible stuff because you're, you're just taking raw stills. Yeah. Do you think that camera is like, all that important or like have you found it, it's in bigger resolution you've been able to step up your game a little bit it's important if you have something specific in mind if you need i mean obviously if you're making a piece of content for lg or samsung's 8k tvs yeah you're not going to be shooting that on a 14 megapixel or a 30 megapixel camera you're going to be shooting you know i don't know how many 50 or 100 megapixels that's what you're going to be doing but i mean that's a pain i think it's only 50 for 8k yeah, that's that's just really annoying. Uh, yeah. You know, storage size, the 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 slow editing process. Yeah. I had a choice. Panasonic hit me up recently. Mm -hmm. They wanted me to do stuff with their new S1 cameras. Yeah, and I had the option to get the S1 or the S1R. And then you go back to me just having my laptop right now from 2015. Yeah. Um, and I used to have a Canon 5D SR, which is 50 something megapixels, and that was not a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> um, just so slow to transfer, offload, edit. Um, yeah, you can curate proxies, but you know I can edit 4K footage or 6K footage quite smoothly on my laptop from an SSD. Um, but I just didn't want to have that hassle. So I said, let me grab the S1, which is an amazing time-lapse camera, by the way. I don't want the S1R because it's just going to slow me down. And yeah, I, yeah, I, I rarely need more than uh, the, the 5.7K that I'm making with these cameras. So Yeah, 24 megapixels is 6K, basically. What did you like about it? Like, Did you just like the color science? Do you like the, the size the, of it? The, the amount of thought that's gone into the camera and the development. Um, got a whole blog about why this is such a great time-lapse camera. It's got a dedicated time-lapse mode, so you switch it to that. It allows you to shoot stop motion, and then within that stop motion mode, it shows you like in a low opacity a preview oh, like of your last photo. Yeah. yeah, so you can overlay all within camera. Um, so that helps with hyperlapse also. Exactly. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, who knows what we can do yeah. with this stuff? You know, and the ibis is so good. The I bet ibis you is could great. Just handhold it. Right? Handhold. So yeah, the majority of my shots, ninety nine percent of my hyperlapses are handheld. Oh, I'm, I am a I'm a human monopod. Nice. My eyes are always at the same level. Uh -huh. That's it. You know, <laughs> yeah. you don't need to put it on a tripod to have the same yeah. level. Your eyes are always the same level. So, what else? It, like the camera's got like a, a red display. If you're out shooting astro, um, mm -hmm. white light uh, resets your sensitivity, your eye sensitivity to light. A red light doesn't do that, so you mm -hmm. still retain. Uh, you know, you can see the night sky way better. Um, when you're shooting a sequence, it allows you to render it afterwards into a 4K or a HD video file with different frame rates, both for the playback as the actual video file, 
all these things that <laughs> I've been just waiting on for Canon to kind of like improve and yeah. Um, and the screen flips out. <laughs> the screen, yeah, slightly. <laughs> it's a bit of a weird flip screen, but it does flip out and more than a Canon. <laughs> yeah, and like so, the only downside, like coming from a Canon that five um, D or one DX Mark II was my my daily driver because I shot more video. I've got two sixty Mark IIs and I've got a five D three, but the yeah. the the speed of operating a canon camera it's just yeah. you turn it on hit play bang you're like scrolling around menu adjusting stuff my 1dx is you know the, the most fun camera to work with yeah. because it just powers up like that mm -hmm. and the panasonic you power it on and then it's on and then you hit play and then the, the display freezes a bit and and then you're and it's <laughs> yeah. you know it's those little and I, I i mentioned this earlier i'm all about the efficiency and ah, that's not super efficient that being said i forgive that yeah. because of what is in the camera and how, mm -hmm. how good it is and the color like everything else the color science the bit rates for video the frame rates like 4k 60 180 frames yeah. full hd slow-mo mm -hmm. like and i did a review on the s1h yeah uh, they, oh you've used they, it yeah they had me come out to hollywood and do like some hands-on incredible with it. stats Dude, i Just can't nuts. believe it and the little flip the flip screen on that's pretty awesome mm. i love that thing but uh auto, i, I want to do want to say for video is terrible <laughs> about hardware and going yeah 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 sadly sadly <laughs> sadly like glad i'm reviewing this as a time-lapse camera not as a video camera where yeah. you need autofocus that's where the, the canons like shine the oh, yeah. dual pixel autofocus is yep. incredible i just wish the 1dx had a flip screen <laughs> oh my god i can't wait <laughs> they're gonna have um, ibis on the next one but i've heard yeah that's pretty exciting that's um, about time you know <laughs> yeah i have a 1dc i never oh yeah and the i mean they better come out with a new codec because oh, your 1DC has motion JPEG. But I have Canalog and you don't. I know, yeah. It's just those little things. It's, it's just kind of frustrating. Like, yeah. I know a whole cannibalization of, you know, products and stuff. Do you, have a, you don't have an EOS R? No, I shot with it. And then it doesn't have the, a dedicated time-lapse mode and a few other things. And I'm like, it doesn't make sense when I switch. The button layout is terrible. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's going to change. Lower the than... Mark II is probably going to... Okay, yeah. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I want to go back about because, <laughs> you know... Again, we're creating content for social mainly, right? Yeah. And does the camera matter? The camera matters if you if you value that efficiency, that speed. Mm -hmm. But I've shot hyperlapses on my phone when mm -hmm. I was um, working with Samsung the last two years. Mm -hmm. Shot one here of the Disney concert hall. Shoot raw? Yeah, shoots raw. Um, two and a half million views on Instagram. Wow. Boomerang hyperlapse. Which one is it? Um, it'd be... It's on your account? Yeah. Well, they did put a bit of ad money behind it, and I'm assuming quite a bit. But still, <laughs> people love it. Like, the comments like, whoa, this is so trippy. And, like, I put on my own account, I don't know how many views it got. More than the average, mm -hmm. because I added that extra layer of digital zoom and stuff. Um, That's awesome. But I'm, like, shot on my phone. You can use your phone. Yeah. So if you don't have gear, if you're listening to this, you don't yeah. have gear, don't feel like you're limited. Don't feel like you can't start, because literally, Absolutely. I shot that on a S9, which is, mm -hmm. you know, last year's mm -hmm. phone. So, um, yeah. And you can use an iPhone, too. Well, the cool thing about the Samsung's, <laughs> no, no dissing here, but the manual pro camera mode where you can have all the manual settings. Yeah, it's like course. DSLR controls in a camera. Mm -hmm. um, I think on an iPhone, you'd have to use an external yeah, app, to get an app to get the manual control because any yeah. any time you move, your exposure is going to change. Then you're exactly. going to have to change that in post as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Absolutely. It's not I really wish, about to I wish they would build that in. Um, so Utah and Arizona seem to be a really favorite location for you in America. What are some of your favorite spots in the US of A? I mean, yeah, Utah. I yeah. did a. You've seen. A, I saw a lot of Utah on your. Account. Yeah, it, it's because I did a big trip recently, and we just shot so much content. Yeah. Um, the story there is, um, I got a little short travel film about that. I'm, I oh, cool. I traveled to Utah with a stranger, 
he's from boston 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 <laughs> boston i don't know how you say it i can't boston. do accents yeah, um close. <laughs> yeah abdul we knew each other through twitter he tweeted or like i was following him he tweeted something i want to go Are do you an- a tweet boy oh man i i am a tweet spend I, so much do you know time. drew photo Drew yeah, 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 yeah. We had him on the podcast. He's no incredible. Way. Yeah, I love his stuff. He's been blowing up. Yeah, I know. Um, Anyways, where were we? <laughs> yeah, Utah. So yeah, Utah. Uh, he tweeted, want to do an Astro road trip. And I'm like, I'm down. I'll fly, I'll fly in for that. And he was like, cool, DM me. DM'd him, had a video chat. And I was like, I'm going to go to Utah for 10 days with wow. a stranger. Never <laughs> met him. Could have been dead. Is by he a now. photographer? Or? Yeah, so he does it on the side, you know, hobbies, trying to turn it into more. He sells a couple of prints online, loves astrophotography. And then we cool. um, we flew into Salt Lake, rented a car, and literally just did a loop around Utah. And if you're not familiar with Utah as a listener, check it out. The amount of natural beauty in that state mm. is ridiculous. Yeah. So I think we did a clockwise loop or no, anti clockwise. I don't know. Is that your matter. first time? Well, I've been to Utah literally like two weeks before that okay. on a on a road trip from LA to New Orleans uh-huh. or New Orleans. I, I love know. New Orleans. Really it's cool place. One the, of my favorite the cities food, in the country. Oh my God, yeah. yes, the food, the beignets. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the people. So yeah. different, so amazing. Yeah. Um, visited the majority of the national parks and shot as oh, cool. much astro as we could, which you is incredibly tiring. Yeah, hit up Arizona just to Grand horseshoe. Uh, Grand Canyon was a trip before that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was i mean honestly it's dumb it's like this trip now i'm here now i'm uh-huh. flying back later today what's the time by the way yeah <laughs> i'm flying back later today and then i'm back in 10 days oh wow. which i hate <laughs> i had no control over how this this came to be uh-huh. i don't like flying across the world twice obviously for jet lag reasons and, and being away and getting out of your 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 flow but yeah. also just like the impact that flying has mm-hmm. and travel on i do love traveling though because it's the one time where like i don't have to answer emails and oh just yeah like, unplug it sorry i'm uh I'm but here's some complimentary <laughs> wi-fi to make you a bit anxious about <laughs> yeah, exactly. should i should i no um <laughs> no, i'm gonna sleep <laughs> so uh yeah did did utah made this short travel film about it people loved it awesome. and then in one of one of the nights one of the first nights we um we were asleep but we'd set up i'd set up my time my time lapse cameras mm-hmm. and i caught a bolide or a fireball, which is a meteor that mm. explodes in the sky and leaves a massive, like it's a huge, huge uh, shooting star, as you'd call it. But you'd yeah. see it, and it would light it's a up. Meteor. Yeah. It would light up the the foreground. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes you can hear them after they've exploded. Is how big. Like, can you imagine? Like, it hits wow. the upper atmosphere, and that sound travels all the way down. Yeah. I caught that in my time lapse. Wow. They're very. They're quite rare to happen. It's even more rare to actually capture one. So that got a bit of news uh, attention on the blogs wow. and stuff. Cool, man. Made a little time lapse. Um, re-edited it into its own little time lapse with a story like went to Utah, did this, saw that. This is what it is. Like it's traveling at two hundred thousand miles an hour. Stupid, stupid numbers. Yeah. Uh, and then it blew up. Got a couple of views. I don't know, forty, fifty k. Yeah. Um, on Twitter, it's now my pin tweet because it keeps every every other week. Some yeah. someone like retweets it, and then yeah. it goes up again. Um, <laughs> I had a video that I posted on YouTube. It got two thousand views. I posted on Twitter. It's got ninety thousand. I have. Yeah. I love Twitter, man. Twitter is so, so good. What happened with that video then is it led so many people to my profiles, and yeah. thankfully. Um, it led a lot of people to my ebook about time lapse, and then wow. I had a bunch of sales that Dude, month, and I was congrats. super pumped because, okay. like, when when you launch a product like that, you, you have your initial spike, and then it kind of dies down. Yeah. And I noticed that if I if I have a big hit on social, that will lead to more sales. And yeah. so, all right, what can I do more? <laughs> okay, what can I do? How many a more podcasts with Polar Bro? <laughs> <laughs> you should do more. You should be a, go on a meteor like search. Like, meteor, yeah, meteor showers. I think there's one on 
this weekend or like these yeah. couple of days. Um, I get amazing. notifications about them like this week's we have them. I don't know which Most, meter shower. Like the meter like nerds are like excited and you're like thinking like ebook sales, <laughs> money, shooting stars and money. <laughs> um, so do videos perform differently on Instagram? Have you found like posting just a native like portrait ver you know photo yeah, carousel I mean, versus videos? I've been doing influencing, whatever you call it, you know, on the side professionally as as part of my income because I do commercial time lapse photography mainly. That's my main source of income. Yeah. But now that I moved across the world, I don't have a ton of, you know, I don't have a big client network set up yet. So a lot of it now is brand deals with social media. Um, you would expect me to, you would think that I'd know it all, but honestly, it's it's such a hit and miss thing. Like yeah. I can post something that I'm, I think is like eh, and then it blows up. Uh -huh. Where I post something that I spent a month editing. Have and you it, gone on TikTok yet? First video I posted is that horse head one, the, the dragon thing you thought yeah. it was. 30K views, ton of engagement. I know, you should. I was just Boomerang. of you. I, I just started TikTok about two weeks ago. Yeah. I almost have a million views on TikTok Jesus. and 7,000 followers. Yeah, see, so. I, I took that uh, music video that I yeah. showed you earlier. That video has 10,000 views on YouTube, right? Yeah. Like, big deal. I put it on uh, TikTok. It's got like one 15 second clip as like. 250,000 views nuts social media for me is I mean it, it, like it a brings a lot end. of it brings a lot of issues with it you know mental health wise <laughs> and all that but it's also oh, fun and if I look I tweet I had this really grateful moment yesterday and I tweeted it because I love Twitter yeah um, I'm like you know I'm gonna follow you now I'm so yeah. Twitter. like that's all I use really it's so. you know social media a lot of bad stuff comes with it but I'm so incredibly grateful this just sounds so corny I'm so so grateful for the people I've met like we uh, wouldn't we wouldn't be here I yeah, wouldn't have totally. met this guy this guy there the yeah. people I was hanging out with everyone in LA that I hang out with my yeah. friends wouldn't have them if it wasn't for Instagram yeah and that's just that's the beauty of it and yes it stresses me out and it you know brings anxiety with it and yeah. you can stress about numbers and all that stuff but you know totally yeah those those human <laughs> you connections set your really... uh, set your limits on on it you know um so what's like what's next for you like what's what are you kind of looking forward to what's what are you trying to do with your work to push the the industry of hyperlapse so I just moved to London probably about six months ago or less, and then I've been traveling a bunch on that. My my personal goal, what I want to do is make more content in Europe, in, in London, uh, have more of my work out there and have more brands or companies reach out to me to come work with them mm -hmm. on you know video and film productions. I'm not like chasing brand deals. Like I don't love doing brand deals. They're fun and it's it's a good way of like having a little bit of income here and there. But yeah. I want to keep doing that. I want to do more talking and speaking and educating at events um, because I feel like I've got quite an interesting story. I mean, yeah. it happens a lot. Hobby got, got out of hand and it's a career. But in this realm of, of social media and people wanting to be influencers and all that, mm -hmm. I feel like I've got a maybe a fresh take on that because yeah. I've been doing that for a while now. Um, and it's not all it's set out to be. But yeah, I want to... <laughs> I mean, a lot of people are going to say, are you nuts? I want to travel less. Uh, I'm tired, man. Yeah, I've been saying for like four years now, I don't want to travel that much yeah. anymore. And this is my Same. fourth time in the I US. I got married and had kids and uh, yeah. started like, okay, I need to stop doing this. Yeah, exactly. I, it's my... Third or fourth time in the US this year. I'm coming back next week. That's, that's oh. ridiculous. <laughs> um, and... I just want to, I want to like own, um, Be, so have, have a, a home, right? Yeah. Like we have an, we bought an apartment two years ago in Sydney and then, you know, I love it there and, and I don't want to leave. But then my girlfriend, she wanted to do an overseas thing. So she's like, I'm going to go work in London. 
and obviously I'm like, yeah, I'll join. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My family's all in Belgium, so that's fun. But um, I don't have any set goals. Like I'm working on a new ebook, which is how to set a passive income if you're a photographer, if you you know have a bit of a following. I think a lot of people ask me about it. Like yeah. you know, you talk about passive income all the time. That ebook's part of that strategy. I want to keep doing ebooks. Might expand on that. Maybe do a course because uh, I have a lot of knowledge to share and I share a ton of knowledge like everything that's in my ebook about time lapse you will find on my blog and on my YouTube channel mm-hmm. for free mm-hmm. you you pay the money to get it all into a nice PDF yeah so you don't have and, to uh, scour through all that and it but, you know supports you if they've and been, that as well like it's actually following you for it's, a while it's in the yeah. opening uh, paragraph like by buying this you support me as an independent creator and it allows mm-hmm. me to, to educate more people and, and mm-hmm. do that so I want to do that in the long run. I want to be involved with more projects that have a positive impact. Um, I shot a documentary in Vanuatu, which is in the Southern Pacific Ocean, two years ago. Never got around to making a final edit of that and launching it properly. We used it for a big climate change conference in Bonn two years ago, mm. uh, the CCOP or CCP. Um, but I want to do more of that. Uh, I met up with Ben Von Wong, which if you don't have him on your podcast yet, you should definitely have. He's probably the most influential photographer. Wow. He goes viral with everything he does because <laughs> he knows how to do it. He's got mm. it down pat. And all wow. he does is he he, he creates change. Uh, so I want to be more like Ben Von Wong. I want to have more projects that matter, that leave an impact, that educates mm. people about it. That was the whole goal of going to Vanuatu is showing like they just had a, a big hurricane. And I was with my buddy mm. Jeff from New Zealand. We were there for a week or two and just talked to people and shot their stories. And they're like, you cannot imagine how frustrating it is. We're all... We're yeah. getting hit with the impact. We're trying to solve it all. Yeah. And then Australia is still opening up coal mines. The biggest coal mine in the world is about to be open in Australia, or one of the biggest, mm. in 2019. Mm. The world's on fire. Greta Thunberg's on everyone's TVs. Yeah. Yet Australia's government is still approving coal and gas mines. It's, mm. it's so incredibly frustrating. Yeah. And these guys there, they're getting hit the first and the hardest. They're literally like coastal erosion there is insane. Ocean acidification. The reefs are dying. The fish are going. Trees are falling in the water. Mm. Their whole... the 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 biological clock of the islands it's it's off they have flowers that would blossom and then they would know when to when to get the roots out of the or like their their crops Mm -hmm. that's all that clock's gone they can't use that anymore so it's impacting how they how they live and it's just yeah yeah it's a heartbreaking storyline but also incredibly uh inspiring because they're like we're doing it like we're acting on it we're setting up marine sanctuaries and we're educating people that got scientists doing workshops to educate these tribes it's literally tribal people going around this island and like showing them like this is what happens when you set up a marine sanctuary two years later you will have more fish your turtles will come back wow and it's like what they're doing it like they're so cool. just like that yeah, yeah. but they're only doing it because they've been had, getting hit by worse and worse hurricanes sure. and more frequently so yeah I want to do more of that That's I want to awesome. do more impactful stuff that la- that ha- leaves a positive impact so yeah. when I leave this forsaken planet <laughs> <laughs> that um, I, I have left a net positive impact despite what? all my plane trips you should uh, <laughs> you should like do the first hyperlapse on Mars <laughs> Elon buzz me wouldn't that be amazing <laughs> it's a one-way trip right yeah one-way trip to mars yeah what's kind of your last uh like if you could leave just one last thing for somebody who's starting out who wants to be doing what you're doing what's kind of the last thing that you'd like to leave with them just go out and shoot yeah. and fail miserably and then learn from that and then repeat mm-hmm. shoot fail learn is something i tell a lot of people and i get a lot of people hitting me up in the dms like what can i do what should i do this and that and 
and I go look on their Instagram and there's nothing there. Not that you have to post stuff on your Instagram, but I'm assuming that if you want to do more of this, then do more of that. Like, mm. create if that's what you want to do. Just do it. Don't sit behind your computer and strategize and think and plan. And if, if I get this, don't let gear stop you. Mm. When I have this camera or when I have this lens, that's when I'd be, no, go away. Yeah. <laughs> Just go out and shoot and fail and learn. And I mean, I attribute the success of my career to to a few things. People is probably the biggest thing. I always, um, I've done, you know, plenty of talks where I, where I talk about how my hobby turned into my career and have good work. To have good work, you need to shoot. So shoot, fail, learn. So you get good work, then have that work with you on hand so you can show it to people when you meet these people. That's how I got involved with everything I've done is from having a little clip on my phone. Mm-hmm. The first festival I was at, I shot all this stuff. The second year, I'm back at that festival. I knew I would meet a guy called Charlie who does all the crazy, crazy other festival videos. I knew I'd meet him. So I made a, a I edited a little reel together to show him at the festival one year later. He, put on he saw phone. that, yeah. flies me to Israel months later to shoot a, a David Guetta concert. Yeah. Uh, at minus 424 yards, meters below sea level, the lowest <laughs> point on earth in yeah. Masada. Stuff like that, just... So cool. Yeah, have your work on hand to show it to the right people That's and make sure that work is good. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, Matt, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. And uh, we'll have to see you next week, I guess, when you come back. <laughs> yeah, we'll do another episode <laughs> in a week. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> thanks, man. Cheers. I hope you guys enjoyed my interview with Matt Jose. I would highly recommend following him on social media if you haven't already. Just follow him at Matt Jose uh, everywhere that you know you would follow him on stuff. And definitely check out his website, mattjose.com. And if there was something that really spoke to you with my interview with Matt, then I would encourage you to send him a DM on Instagram or a reply on Twitter and let him know that you listened to the show and you really liked something that he said. I know that would mean a lot to him and it would mean a lot to us to show your support for the show. I'm back from my three week break. Uh, Spending time with my family has been really incredible and actually surprisingly restful. My son, Caleb Paul, is in this world and he's doing amazing. Uh, You know, he's waking up every three hours, so we're not getting a ton of sleep, but my wife and I are able to trade off feedings because we're using a bottle and stuff. And, you know, if you're not interested in baby stuff, then you can just skip this part. But things have been going really well and we've had a lot of help with family and friends so thank you so much for reaching out and showing your support while I took a couple weeks off to be with my family but everything is back to normal so thank you guys for showing your support as I took that little break we have another amazing guest next Tuesday so make sure to stay subscribed if you're not already to the Golden Hour podcast in your podcast player of choice once again I'm Dave Mays this is the Golden Hour podcast and we'll see you next week see you later